Hello, everyone, and welcome into episode 62 of the Stomp the Bus show. I am your host, Mark Harris, uh, coming at you after an absolutely disgusting ASU football game. Uh, and I'm here with my guest, not with my guest, with my co-host, Colton Dodgson. Colton, how's it going? Uh, I'm good, Mark. It's great to be back. Uh, I guess I almost feel like a guest at this point. I feel like it's been a while, but um, I appreciate you recognizing these co-hosts. That means a lot. Yeah. Well, let's jump right into it. Uh, whew, that was a rough game. That was a really rough game. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was. I the biggest thing I was just gonna say real quick is it's so jarring to me when you look at this this team's schedule. Uh, just the juxtaposition of their the first conference win in the Dillingham era, right in front of what just happened on Saturday. I, I mean, maybe, maybe they're elated, you know, I mean, I, I, there's a human element of you're waiting to get this one thing. You finally get a conference win, a, a comfortable conference win too. It wasn't some fluke. And then maybe there's just a natural like easing the next week. Cause it's like, Hey, you know what? We checked off this thing that we needed to do. Uh, and <laughs> it showed particularly it's, this game is just like, I don't. I just don't know how much there really is to take away from it. You know, the offensive line injuries. I mean, there's nothing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The offensive line injuries were very evident again. And freshman Sean Naa had to start at left tackle. I was telling a friend like it would be great if we could go play Utah on the road and not have like super young <laughs> offensive linemen who were like in high school the year before. Cause that's what happened like four years ago, Jane Daniels and like a 17 year old Ladarius Henderson. Uh, and once Borgay was injured, I mean, I don't want to be, I'm not going to talk too much about Jacob Conover on this show just because I don't want to be mean. He was very bad in that game and it looked like he just had no control over what was going on. Not a great grasp of the offense. Just very skittish. I mean, his final stat line was 5 of 22 for 41 yards and an interception. I mean. <laughs> yeah, with a QBR of 8.8, um, Scadaboo attempted one pass yeah. and finished with yeah. a QBR of 8.4. Um, so it's not great when your QBR is 0.4 higher than your running back. Um, who did not complete a pass either, but did not complete a pass. Right. Uh, five of 22 for 41 yards, 1.9 yards per completion. Um, like it doesn't matter where you're playing. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you're playing that those numbers are just unacceptable. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to put it. Um, maybe there's something to be said about your, your, huge moral victory and then you go in and you're kind of like you know a little more lax or whatever it is but the last place that you can do that is rice Eccles. <laughs> right totally which is totally. i mean that's got to be a huge if that was the case and i mean i don't know this game is just so unreal you know yeah. looking at looking at these numbers it's just like how 1.5 yards per carry 40 passing yards, 83 yards of total offense. I mean, it like there's there's really 7.2 yards per carry for Utah rushing on 49 attempts. 
yeah. Oh, yeah. Two rushing yards. Like, it's just, it's astronomical. Um, and it's, it's so, I was mentioning earlier, just that contrast between looking at this schedule and looking at Washington W, Utah. And there's the ESPN app again. In the fashion that it was. Um, just, just unreal. Uh, hopefully there's some lesson to be extracted from this because there's really nothing else that can be extracted from this. And I don't know how much code speak or whatever it is could, could justify what happened. I, you know, there's something to be said about the offensive line and the injuries that this team has dealt with all year. Obviously we're going to get into some transfer news in in just a little bit. I don't know if you've already mentioned it or not, but uh, offensive line has been a, a massive issue for this team. But I mean, there was nothing good about that game. So, no, like, and the only reason they even got a score is because Elijah Badger had a great kickoff return down into like the red zone. Then Asus goes three and out and kicks a field goal. Yeah. You knew that, like, you, you knew when they got that, it's like, all right, like, at least we're not going to get shut out. But, right, you know, right. We're with, on the board. Yeah. The thing with this game is like, I expected the defense to be better. Like, Utah just went right down the field and scored. So, ASU's down 7-0 to start out. And even with Borgay playing, like, that's not tenable. You can't – like, you would have had to – the only way you were going to win this game is with a great defensive performance and the offense doing just enough. And, obviously, that didn't come close to happening. So Yeah. I don't think there's ever a scenario where they win this game. But I will say – um. I, I, yeah, that makes total sense in terms of just like at the same time, though, you know, the defense gives up that early possession. It obviously puts the offense in a hole, and the entire, the entire plan, I'm sure, gets out of whack at that point. Um, yeah. But the defense is just how many first downs did ASU have in this game? Any? Uh, I, I don't know off the top of my head, yeah. but I, I would imagine if it wasn't zero, it wasn't more than two. Like, so when your defense is literally, we could probably look at time of possession. Oh, for sure. No, it's ASU actually had six first downs. That is far more than I thought. Me too. I, but even, even so, even with six first down, first downs, the time of possession disparity had to be astronomical. Um, So when your defense is on the field for that long, especially, you know, when you're getting into the, the, 17 24 whatever it is the deficit just keeps growing like what incentive does the defense have to go out there and, and play for pride when they're on the field for what 80 percent of the game <laughs> like right no it's yeah yeah and that's why like there's not a whole lot to really take from this game you know right i mean dillingham said earlier this week something along the lines of like we lost this game in april because and he expanding on it being like we're just not at that point as a program and he's right like there's no like so and and, uh, catching Utah after they got boat raced by Oregon the week before is not good either for ASU or wasn't good either for ASU so one of those games and it's it's like I'm just honestly what I was thinking during this game was just like, man, I'm so glad ASU beat Washington state the weekend before, you know, <laughs> because like there, I like, you know, we, we talked on the show, like, are they going to win another PAC 12 game? 
it was in, definitely in question after the Cal and Colorado stretch. Uh, they took they like they beat Wazoo. Then that's that's looking like the team like that that was the only chance that they had to win a Pac-12 game because UCLA is going to be tough. I mean, Arizona looks really good, and so yeah. yeah. But that's what I was thinking during this game. I'm like, man, I'm just glad we got that checked off. Like so, uh, it's bad, you know. We can talk about going into UCLA a little bit. I will actually be at this game. Um, it's going to be, you know. Nine o'clock kick? Or is it nine eight o'clock? There? That's what it says on. Well, it's 7 p.m. Pacific. But now that we're on, now that ASU is on mountain time. Oh, does it move yeah. up by two hours? No, just one hour. It shouldn't be. Yeah, so your kick, the kickoff's at eight, then I think. Oh, that's wow. Okay, that's a late kickoff. Yeah, that is a late kickoff. Well, e- either way, um, it's going to be tough. I mean, UCLA's defense is really good too. They have this guy Layatu Latu is I, I think he's like fourth in the nation with eleven sacks already. You're going to see him on mock draft boards. Um, he's a really good player. He's going to torch our offensive line most likely and. I, you know, I can't really envision a scenario in this game where ASU scores more than 13 points, you know? I mean, um, after, that, after that Utah performance, that might even be generous. Yeah, no, exactly. that's why I'm saying, like, 13 is yeah. the max. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, man, like, if, if Conover has to start, like, uh, like – no, it's, I, I completely agree. It's it's like a high school game where there's just complete like just where they're one of the teams is like why are they even in the same division as the other team? You know, like with Borgay and you know Borgay's had his you know issues this year, but you can trust Borgay if he's your quarterback to just have the offense moving down the field and picking up a few first downs and you know not going three and out every single time. Right, just don't ask him to pick up a, a fourth down within the, the twenty yard line um, in Seattle. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's where you draw the line with Borgay, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I <laughs> I completely agree. I mean, this is it's getting to the point now. Like we looked at the schedule the last couple episodes we've done this, and we we were projecting the next win for so long, and you know they got it with the Wazoo game, but. You know, like now with the current state of this team, even with UCLA kind of reeling a little bit, they just lost to Arizona, bounced from the rankings. They've kind of been up and down this year. And I think it was Ralph who mentioned, you know, the freshman quarterback and the state of that team being a a little inconsistent. Um, But now it's just ASU's. ASU stock has plummeted so far. I think we're looking at a a two and 10 team in the first year of, of Dillingham. Um, And, you know, we've seen some good, we've seen a lot of bad, but we have seen some good. Um, You hope in year two, I, you know, we, we kind of just have to turn the page to year two at this point. There's there's nothing to really talk about with the rest of the season. Like Scadaboo was fun. Um, It was cool to watch him for a season. Uh, I, I can't imagine he'll be here next year, right? I think he's like a graduate or something. No, he's. I was looking today. He's actually a junior. So I oh, really? Okay, yeah. he felt way older. 
Um, you know, if he comes back, if he decides to go somewhere else, whatever, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Transfer season is going to be very interesting with this team. Yeah. Um, hopefully there's not too much turnover, but you never know. Uh, is back and there's no issue with him regaining that role as the starter. We saw, I think we saw enough from him early on to, to want to see more of him. Um, and it's unfortunate we didn't get to see more in this, this this season that was supposed to be, as Ralph put it, kind of an exhibition season, right? Um, it would have been great to see him play more. Unfortunately, we didn't get that. Hopefully, he's back next year, and hopefully, uh, year two of Dillingham, we see some strides on offense. We, I mean, Brian Ward locked up for for three more years with that extension that I'm sure we'll get to. That is so. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about that now. Yeah, that yeah, is so yeah. big. It is big. It adds that to that consistency a little bit, right? And that um, yep. that that sort of uniform approach where you don't, you're not going to have turnover every year. These guys are going to know what to expect. They're going to feel comfortable in these schemes. The guys that they're coming to play for are going to be here, you know, so you're yeah. not going to have guys committing and then transferring because the guy they wanted to play for is gone, whatever it is, uh, which is great. You know, you, you need that consistency in the highest positions, I think, to to start to make strides, especially with a program in the state that, that ASU football is in right now. So you're right. It is absolutely huge. Three years is big. That's a big commitment. He obviously likes being here. He likes working with uh, Dillingham. I'm excited to see Dillingham grow a little bit too, you know, a um, lot, of, lot of good moments, a lot of bad moments, a lot to learn from. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens, but I guess it's just, white white knuckle the last three games or just don't even watch the last three games um there's not going to be I don't think there's going to be a whole lot to glean from them anyway we kind of know what this team is we know what this season is at this point yeah um, so whatever you do just just do your best to keep it all in perspective and, and derive whatever twisted joy that you do from from watching this team play for the last three games absolutely and I'm just hoping for I'm just hoping for honestly a repeat of the what we kind of saw before the Utah game of just competitive, competent games. That's all I'm asking for. I don't expect them to beat any of right. these next three teams. Um, and yeah, but uh, with Ward, I mean, he, this defense has kept ASU in games that it otherwise would not have been in. And I, like, I think they even played well against USC. I know that um, they allowed 42 points, but like they forced some punts on USC and that's that's pretty much all you can ask for like if you force two or three punts against USC you did your job uh i think they had pretty good games against uh you know UW obviously that's looking like more and more of an outlier as the season goes along um but it still counts it still counts on the stat sheet so that was a great game and like the consistency is just so huge and in this day and age in college football where it's not it's not unique to ASU. There's just term uh, turnover all over the place throughout the sport, and getting a guy like Brian Ward who wants to be here. That is such a big thing that Ralph mentioned on our show about a month ago. You can check it out on our YouTube page. Such a big thing um, for all the reasons you mentioned. Just having a stability, and if you're a defensive lineman. You can look at the stats these guys are putting up. Like that's one of, that's been the biggest uh, bright spot of the season is BJ Green and Prince Dorabob both have six sacks. Uh, right. Clayton Smith, Oklahoma transfer, he's he's come on in the past few games. 
with two sacks in the last two games. Um, you know, you have blitzing safeties that get point. You know, like that's very easy to sell uh, in the portal to some. You know, let's say you're a backup at Georgia or something. It's like, oh, I can come play at ASU and get eight sacks. Like, sure, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. and uh, I mean, generating pressure is so huge too, and it, it makes up for so much. Yeah. On the defensive side of the ball. When you're able to get pressure on the quarterback through, through various different ways, you know, you mentioned the safety blitzes, you mentioned the D line, all of those things. If you're able to generate pressure, you can make up for for so many deficiencies. Not that there is, you know, whatever the deficiencies are, right? Um, but but you can make up for all of that. And I mean, just looking, we're, we're talking about Brian Ward and the job that he's done. I feel like, you know, holding a team under the equivalent to holding a team under like 17 in the NFL is like holding a college football offense in the Pac-12 or or a college football offense in general. Holding that offense under 30 points is like the right. equivalent of, of a good defensive performance, I almost I, – I, I think yeah. um, it, that gives you a chance to, to win a game, right? Holding a team under 30 points in college football gives you a chance – to go out and in some cases steal a game. And if you're going down the line, they've only given up 30, more than 30 points twice this yep. year. Right? Yeah. No, that's you really USC impressive. And you have Utah. Like, and exactly. Like they've only, that, that Utah game is kind of an outlier. I'm not even going to put that on the defense's shoulders because they're on the field the whole game. We kind of already discussed that. But when you're looking at this and you're playing the USC's, the Washington's, even the Colorado's, um Washington State Fresno State you you, Fresno you turn State. the ball over eight times and they don't even get to 30 points right like that is in, like, that is such a crazy stat this defense has been really impressive and yeah I mean you have to in holding holding Washington to seven is just I mean we talked about it being an outlier but they did something right right, right. <laughs> it, it might be an outlier especially when you look at Utah scoring 55 but you're in Seattle and you keep Washington to oh 15. I'm sorry. It was nine, really, because it was oh, a pick nine. six. One of those was the defensive touchdown. You're right. You kept them out of the end zone. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's it's just such an impressive job that that he's done. And I mean, you said it, he's been the reason that they're in these games. And it never felt like they were gonna win that USC game. Um no, they no, were never out of that USC game. I mean at the time, too, holding USC under 50 points was like a massive accomplishment. Um, and it they still is. It's still, you know, their, their offense hasn't gotten yeah. any worse. Yeah. Right. It, it still is. They're still a great offense. Um, and they held them to 42. Um, so, again, a, a, an excellent job, especially given the state of the offense. That can be so demoralizing for a defense when you're going out there and you're stopping a team and it's like, why are we, why are we doing? Like, that's the Jets. Right, exactly. The man. Giants now with Tommy DeVito. Exactly. It's like, what are we even playing for, right? So so not only producing these outcomes, but keeping your team bought in and keeping your team playing at the level that they were before that Utah game. Again, if every point that we're making, we're making assuming that Utah was this this massive outlier, right? Um, I mean, it it sort of culminated. It it felt like from USC, between USC and the Washington State game, we're looking at Cal, Colorado, Washington. It felt like ASU was on an upward trajectory of, like, remaining competitive, 
right? It was, you know, right. yeah, right. They were on they were on a, an upward trajectory of being more and more competitive each week, right? They they probably go to overtime with Colorado if not for that busted coverage. You look at Washington, no pick six probably would have been a little different. Um, and then Cal, you have a chance to win the game at the end, and you're not able to do it. But it there's definitely been bright spots, and I think a lot of that can be attributed to Brian Ward. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's Dillingham said when he hired him, it, he he said he was someone who he hated coaching against. It's a fantastic strategy to, <laughs> to yeah, hire, you know, for the opposite side of the that. ball. Um, and I, I do think one thing that's we, we talk about the Washington State win. They, I think they, like, they could very well be the worst team in the Pac-12 because they only have one Pac-12 win, two, just like ASU and ASU beat Wazoo. Wazoo just lost to Stanford 10-7 over the weekend, so uh, not really that relevant, but I just think it's kind of interesting. Um, anyway, yeah, you mentioned the Isaiah Glass transfer news. That So it started out on... Friday, before the game, it was reported that Isaiah Glass is not traveling to Utah for an unknown reason, which we still – I've, I've looked around. I, I haven't found anything, like, concrete on that. Um, and then on Sunday, after the game, he tweets out, uh, I'll be redshirting for the rest of my year with two years left of eligibility. So, it you know, I like – Isaiah Glass is not some irreplaceable, like 100% future NFL offensive lineman, but you don't want guys like that leaving either. You know, like he, I think he was the starter for the Wazoo game at left tackle. So the question to me with the Isaiah Glass uh, departure is, is this just, you know, a player who maybe didn't get along with people or like when it's an unknown reason that just, is so strange to me. Um, it's a known reason. You're just not allowed to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. A no. publicly unknown reason. Yeah, there you um, go. <laughs> yeah. No, he didn't. I'm sure he didn't, just didn't wake up one morning and be like, you know what? I don't want to be part of this team anymore. So, yeah. Right, but right. Um, it's, the question to me is, is this just a one-off of, you know, a guy just wanting a new change of scenery, whatever it is? Or is this like a a preview of what's to come when the portal opens? Um, we know the ASU's NIL is I don't want I don't know how to phrase like it could be doing better. I'll just, you know based on what Ralph told us and you know based on some hints like that Chris Cartman tweets out. Uh, but at the same time, it's not like they. I'll talk about ASU's like basketball recruiting class. Like they they have the top eleven recruiting class on 24-7, so it's like, how much is NIL factor in that? So it, it's just weird to parse all this out with Eastside class, you know? Right, and like trying to make sense of what it means and make yeah. sense of what it means, what, what sort of future implications. What it doesn't mean, you know? Well, yeah, exactly. Maybe this is just a guy that, you know, didn't fit with the culture and he, he wasn't really that into it, whatever. Maybe this is a one-off, right? And that's what you would hope. Like you would hope this isn't a sign yeah. of things to come. Um, but ultimately we don't we don't know. It seems like the guys still play hard, especially, you know, if yeah. we're, we're yeah. looking at if we're looking at the two Washington games, it doesn't seem like 
based on those two performances that Dillingham is, is losing this team at all. It doesn't seem like there's about to be some mass exodus. Otherwise those games would have gone exactly how we might've thought they would have gone. Right. right. Especially with Washington. Um, so that, that gives me a little bit of hope that maybe this is just a one-off and maybe it's just, I'm sure playing offensive line for this team is, is somewhat difficult uh, at the moment, given, you know, the state of the quarterback position and, and everything else right. and the guys around you, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's difficult. Um, so maybe this is just a state of that position and, and not necessarily a state of the team, which still needs to be addressed. That's still an issue, but not necessarily an issue on the scale of some mass transfer portal exodus we would hope. Right. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So it is a little bit concerning. I won't lie. Like this weekend in terms of ASU football uh, happenings, I was more concerned about the Isaiah Glass thing than I was the actual loss to Utah, you know, because the Isaiah Glass thing yeah. that could have, that could be an indicator of more long-term uh, issues facing the program. So I hope, you know, I, look, I hope that it's just, I hope he, honestly, I hope he finds a good place to play and, you know, does the best he can do. And you know, I, I, it's just, it's interesting. It, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and like if it wind up, wound up being an indicator of things to come. Yeah. And I mean, we won't know until the season's over and, and what, what happens with the transfer portal right now. It's all we can do is speculate and hope that it's not yep. an in indicator. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, before we, um, before we uh, kind of end the football discussion here, let's get a score prediction for uh, UCLA ASU. You're really gonna you're really gonna make me do this? Yeah, man. Just throw out a score prediction. No one's. Wow, there's no actual consequence to you getting it wrong. So. Uh, I don't know, man. My pride is on the line here. <laughs> so that, that left a long time ago. Yeah, that's true. I don't have much of that left, but. Um, UCLA is an 18-point favorite. Uh, totals at 44. This seems like a game that has underwritten all over it. Um, ah, man, I, I think you see a return to form from ASU's defense. I, I think they might be a little humiliated, but we saw what could happen if if your offense only musters six first downs in the span of a game, right? Um, so you have that to sort of consider. If UCLA covers this spread, I don't think USC or USCF. I don't think ASU. I don't know how I mix those two up, but I don't think ASU will have scored a touchdown. That's kind of how okay. I feel about this. So I don't think I don't think UCLA's offense is is good enough to cover this spread against ASU's defense if we're throwing out that Utah game, which I am. So, uh, all things considered, I think I'm going – I might go like 22-3, <laughs> something okay. like that, like an yeah. absolute snoozer of a game. I can see that. Yeah, like twenty to three UCLA ASU covers, but not valiantly. <laughs> um, 
Your goal I, at the end of the game to avoid, right, the, right, avoid right. the uh shutout. Or you get that you, you get it on the front end, you kick a field goal mm. from a good from a good special teams play, like we saw last week. Um and then UCLA kind of just you know sputters all game but it out. Does, yeah. does enough to score a couple touchdowns. Yeah, give me um Give me 20 to three. I think two field goals, two touchdowns, and ASU gets a field goal. That feels about right. I feel like if ASU loses this game 20 to three, then that means Conover played. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, you got to consider that, right? Like, what's the yeah. state of the game? Will we even know <laughs> what we're born? I don't think there's going to be any indication until the starter right. walks out, out onto the field. Yeah. Right. And if it's Conover, 20 to three seems very likely. So I, the score that's been bouncing around in my head as I've thought, thought about it is 27 to 10 UCLA. I think okay. I think we're both kind of on the same wavelength here. The under, absolutely. I mean, 44 points. I, I don't know how they – I mean, maybe – I don't know how they got 44 points for this one, but um, I actually, as per my job at Action Network, all the story coming out on Saturday that's telling you to take, take uh, UCLA – or uh, take the under in this one because actually on BetMGM it's 44 and a half too, so you can find it there. But um, yeah, so I'm um, anyway, it's gonna, I think it's gonna be 27 to 10 UCLA. You may, I think we get a little bit more offense from ASU, but uh, UCLA will be able to run the ball in this game and that'll kind of uh, figure itself out. So yeah, that's my matter. If, if we're going gambling plays, I think we're in, in unison here. ASU to cover plus 18, but way under. So that means you should probably just fade us for this. Yeah, Those maybe this is questions. another 47 to, you know, something like that. But I don't I don't think so. I don't think UCLA has the offensive firepower to do something like that. Well, and they, yeah, they've had real quarterback issues this year too. Like, yeah. we've had – like, ASU has had quarterback injury issues. They've just had quarterback issues, you know. Which is right. almost not, worse. not getting the performance <laughs> that they expected. Right. It is almost worse because it's like you can chalk it up to just being hurt. But if you have guys that are underperforming, it's like, what do yeah. we do? <laughs> you know, especially when you have a good running game and a good defense, too. Like that's a that's a rare combo. Right. Which which runs clock, too, man. You got to think about that. Yes. If, if he's going to score points, they're going to they're going to do so on the ground, I would think. And if UCLA is running and ASU is running. That clock is moving. I don't see – if this goes over, I would be thoroughly shocked. Yeah, that, that it would – it might be Conover playing and UCLA getting some very short fields or turnovers. So yeah, Conover playing could affect this both ways, actually. So Yeah. All right. Well, enough football. Uh, let's go to some ASU programs that are actually winning games uh, quickly. Before we dive into uh, some men's basketball discussion, I wanted to keep shouting out volleyball. They're up to 22 and four on the season after a split with, uh, no, it's not showing me. Um, I think it was the LA schools. They split over the weekend and they are now uh, 22 and four. That's a very good first year for JJ Van Neal. And the page isn't loading. Whatever. You, the important information is they're 22 and 4 and they're doing well. ASU ice hockey is now up to number 16 in the USCHO rankings after sweeping 
Stonehill over the weekend at Mole Arena. They got an overtime 5-4 win on Friday and then beat Stonehill 3-2 on Saturday. They are now 6-1-1 overall, and they have a very tough test this weekend. They host number two Denver on Friday and Saturday night. So that should be very interesting. If they, I mean, if they can beat Denver just one time in that series, that would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah who knows, man? Maybe the, the mullet um, gives them some sort of advantage. I was going to ask you, does volleyball play at I think they play in mullet. And at mullet? I, I, I don't know if they play all their games at mullet, but I know they yeah, play. Some of these games say Desert Financial, some say mullet. So I wasn't sure if they just went to mullet for like, you know, Stanford, they played at Mullet, um, that sort of thing. But Maybe it's I mean, the scheduling. It's yeah. just like ASU ice hockey gets priority and when they're not there. But it's a better, like, Mullet's a way better arena to watch, like, a volleyball game than Desert Financial. Oh, 100%. I'm sure it'd be sweet to, to go there and watch, you know, anything. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, volleyball beat number five Oregon in straight sets, 3-0. That's that's impressive. They beat number three Stanford three zero. Like they're they're balling. No, they're they're doing really well. It's, yeah, it's good to see. All right, um, and then ice hockey too, man. That's impressive. Uh, number two Denver at Mullet. That that would be fun. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, speaking of winning ASU programs, ASU basketball starts. On uh, if you're listening to this, starts started last night. Uh, we're recording this before the Mississippi State game in the Barstool Invitational in Chicago. But uh, you know, I this it's going to be an interesting year. It's going to be a lot like last year, most likely, because there's just a bunch of transfers coming in. The only three uh, key returners are Frankie Collins, Jemiah Neal, and Alonzo Gaffney, but I kind of just trust Hurley for this team to at least be on the bubble um, after what we saw last year. And there's look, I'm just looking through this roster and they there's a lot of intriguing new players on this team. A hundred percent. A lot of a lot of young guys, a lot of transfers. There's a nice a lot of length. A hundred percent a lot of length. I was just gonna say that you got a seven footer in Sean Phillips. Um, you've got a lot of experience with some of these transfers, some graduates, um, some promising freshmen that were fringe top 100 guys coming in, um, a Juco addition in Malachi Davis. Um, you know, all, it, it seems like the state of this roster is very similar to what we saw last year, right? Um, keeping Frankie Collins, Jemiah Neal, and Alonzo Gaffney um, is huge. Those, big, those three were, were massive last year for this yes. team. Um, so adding these new guys into the into the the fold um, is exciting. There's one guy that I'm I'm actually excited, and I I don't know what his role is going to be. I don't know what it's going to look like for him. Um, but just looking through some of these players and doing a little research on these guys, Bryson Long from Houston Christian. Um, hitting 41.6% of his threes last year. I, I love <laughs> that they're going to have some sort of sharp shooter on this team. I think at times when ASU starts to falter a little bit, it's because they're, they're, they're ice cold from, from 
the three or from the field, <laughs> yeah. cetera, right? They're yeah. just, they cannot buy a shot. And when you have a guy who shot 41% from three point range, granted at Houston Christian, um, adding him into the mix, I, again, I don't know what his role is going to be, but that percentage got me very excited given what we've seen from, from ASU over the years with, with those streaky guys, you, you, you've gotten a lot of streaky guys, right? Um, but why am I blanking on his name? He was massive last year. And I know, you know, exactly. DJ Horn, the guy who hit the full court buzzer beater. Oh, uh, Desmond Cambridge Jr. Yeah. 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 Desmond Cambridge. And, and, um, you, you can keep going down the line and, you know, back to the days of, of, um, Shannon, what is it? Shannon, Shannon Evans, Evans, Cody Justice. Right, right. Uh, Cody Justice. You can go down the line and, and Trey, Holder. Trey Holder is another one, right? You can just track all of these guys who were very streaky guys. When they were on, they could not miss. But when they were cold, they were going to keep shooting and would almost shoot you out of a game, right? Yeah. You, you saw that. You saw that happen so often. It happened. I mean, to his credit, with Desmond Cambridge, it, it happened you – know, it did not happen near as much as we've seen yeah. it happen in the past. But somebody – you know, we're not – I don't think we're ever going to talk about Bryson Long in the same breath as, as any of those guys. But just the thought of having a consistent, a steady three-point shooter gets me very excited. And if he can emerge as that guy, I think that would – that would be so crucial for this team to be able to have that guy that can shoot the three ball consistently um, and, and not go so ice cold like so many of these guys have. But you also mentioned the length, right? And we go down the line. You got Kamari Land, 6'8". You got Jemiah Neal, 6'6". Alonzo Gaffney, 6'9". Sean Phillips, 7 foot. You know, the list goes on. Zane Meek, 6'9". Akil Watson, a freshman, 6'9". Um, there, there's a Ryan lot Selimbange, of... Ryan 6'8". There you go, man. Another That's forward, it. right? So you you have so much size that you can you can play with on this team, right? That you can mess with and, and, and tweak, yeah. especially in the early going with with a a largely new roster, right? Of guys that you kind of have to figure out and, and guys that you need to um, to to learn to mess with and how they fit into the fold. But either way, a lot to like, I think. And, and given what Bobby Hurley did last year in a very similar situation, I think I think I'm optimistic, and I think we have a lot of reason to be optimistic. I don't think it's blind optimism. I think no. we have a precedent. I think we have a precedent, which was last season, of what Bobby Hurley can do with this team, with a team very similar to what we're getting this year. Absolutely. And the thing is, even though, like, yes, there was a lot of turnover from last year, the guy – you're getting back your point guard in Frankie Collins, right? Absolutely. That is so big. It, like, it, if you're going to have anyone not leave, you would want it to be your point guard, um, especially with, like, he's been coached by Hurley before. Like, he knows the – like, all this institutional stuff that he has, and he was good last year too. Frank, I mean, there's been so much buzz this offseason about Jemiah Neal, and mm – -hmm. We saw a little glimpse of it in the uh, what, what what the playing game in uh, Dayton against Nevada. Where I mean, I was at your place for that game. I mean, he just yeah. he just lit Nevada on fire. Like it was incredible. Yeah, he was awesome. He was great down the stretch of the season. And with Neil, it's never been like the athleticism or the length or anything. It's just like 
I remember watching him in his freshman year. It was more like just his ball handling and skill. Clearly, the skill has gone up, and there's been, you know, some of these like leaks out of these scrimmages that have happened where it's like Jemiah Neal is leads the Sun Devils in scoring with blank or whatever. And it's like, man, like that is so that is so big to have him come back. Um, I know he, he he put his name in the portal last year, but actually returned. Um, right. So it's 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 good to see that. And there's also been a lot of buzz about this guy, Sean Phillips Jr. Sophomore, he was at LSU last year. LSU had a terrible season. Um, I'm just like I, you know, I'm just going by like some tweets that I've seen where it's like, whoa, like the Sean Phillips guy is good and. Like, Warren Washington last year at center, he was a good center. He was really skilled. Like, uh, I, you know, I don't really have any complaints about Warren Washington, but he was not – he's not going to be the defensive center that this Sean Phillips guy is. Like, right. it's – I'm really excited to see him play. And the thing is with this team, we're just going to be – we're just not going to be talking about some guys that end up being really good too. Like, 100%. that's – and that's what I love. Like, there's so many. There's guys with experience, like this Jose Perez guy, who just came in. Uh, he, he's like a six. He's been in college for like six years. He, I think he started out at like Gardner Webb. He was at Manhattan. Like, he's been all over the place. But like, he's a competent basketball player. Like, I'm just like, yes, I'm happy to have you. You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then you had the freshman Braylon Green, Akil Watson. I think one of them was a four-star coming out of high school. Uh, Zane Meeks again, six foot nine. Like, right. <laughs> Kamari Lands. He he was at that's, Louisville that's, last year and transferred. Like, build, like you're not, yeah, I think I think Meeks and and you kind of talked about uh, Sean Phillips too. I think those two guys. You mentioned a guy that we're not even talking about that could be big for this team I think Meeks could be one of those guys right like a veteran yeah. played at San Francisco last year a guy that can come in and be a steady big presence too six foot nine that's yeah that's a big dude. um so we'll see you know I'm anxious to see what they look like tonight I'm definitely going to watch that game um it's it's the Barcelona Invitational right so it's probably yeah be- and I think if they win so they're playing Mississippi State um, and one good thing about playing a team like Mississippi State to open the year, because they were, uh, I think they've also made it to the the play-in round as well. So they're a good program. Um, if you lose to Mississippi State, it's not the end of the world. You know, it's, it, it may not right. be like, it's, it's like they're, they're both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not even like, I'm not going to freak out about whatever happens during this game, but if they do win, they would play. Uh, I think in the other side of the Barstool Invitational bracket is FAU, who, you know, was in the Final Four. And uh, I think it's Loyola Chicago. So uh, another good program. So um, you like seeing that. And you look through the schedule, at least the the non-con schedule. I'm not going to dive into the conference schedule because that's so far away, but... You've got a lot of, you know, you know, Texas Southern, UMass Lowell, Sam Houston State. You host San Francisco this time, thank God, because yeah. going there was obviously no bueno. Uh, but what? I said a house of horrors. Yeah, no kidding. But then, like, some of these teams you play in, like these, like the Barstool Sports Invitational, the Vegas Showdown, BYU, 
U.S. LBM Coast to Coast Challenge, TCU, Jerry Colangelo Hall of Fame Series, you play Northwestern at the Suns Arena. Like, these are all, like, a lot of this, like, programs that are good basketball programs, but they're on ASU's level, you know? You're not gonna, you're probably not gonna have a game where, like, remember that year they played Kentucky in the Bahamas with De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk, and they just, it was just disgrace i think asu lost like 110 to 66 or something like that it was it was a while ago Why do I but, not remember this? <laughs> well it's probably best that you don't but yeah, they, like blocked it out yeah but my, my my point being is like you don't have these like huge non-conference matchups that you know historically asu has done well in those but it's also an, another opportunity for a loss so uh i but Again, like you're playing TCU, you're playing BYU, you're playing Northwestern. These are all like recent tournament teams. And so if you beat them, it is going to help you, you know, but they're not impossible tasks. So. Right. Um, Yeah, man. And I mean, winning this game against Mississippi State means you get to sort of test your medal against FAU, which. That would be awesome to play for. That would be cool to get that opportunity, win or lose, to play against FAU. So. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, I mean, Florida Atlantic, if, if you're if you're competitive with them or, or even play against them, that boosts your strength of schedule, right? It should, Versus, yeah. And I think they return a lot of their same guys from their Final Four team too. Yeah, man, they're tenth in the country right now. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, that would be that would be a massive game to get to play for your your strength of schedule, which could be big. I mean, dude, last year that that Michigan game probably gave them the the razor thin edge that they had to to get into yeah. that that play-in so these you know what's funny about that tournament last year yeah. is that michigan came in as the most hype team but they didn't even make the tournament well i think the other two teams were pitt and vcu and they both made the tournament and so it's like you know who, who knows how it all it's all going to shake out at the end but still beating a team yeah right Same with that was still a big win last year yeah, last year was the, the year UNC started number one and didn't even make the tournament, right? Right, right. So yeah. there was a lot of – I mean, college basketball, you don't know. I mean, FAU got to, what, the final four? Am I right? They were a, they were a buzzer BD shot away from being in the national championship game. Like Right. Like, yeah. Like FAU, man, a team that – I don't know. I'm sure they were on somebody's radar, but never a, a final four pick, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. like – it, it, anything can happen in college basketball. Who knows? Um, but, but getting to go against a team like FAU early in the season, win or lose, could could pay dividends for a team, especially a team that might look a little rocky in the beginning because they're trying to figure this out, right? I think yes. this team's just going to get stronger as the season progresses, like we kind of saw last year um, with that that run they had at the end to even get into the tournament with those wins against Oregon State and then um, USC, right? And then, I mean, blowing out Nevada. So, yeah, uh, that's what you hope. And, I mean, you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about Frankie Collins. Getting that guy back, especially – that was the difference from last year, right? You didn't have that guy who was kind of the glue guy with all of the new new pieces coming in. Um, So, it'll be interesting to see how big of an impact that makes on a team – comprised of primarily transfers um and and new faces so totally totally no i'm excited for this team and i think one thing that's really 
really good about what Bobby Hurley has done with ASU men's basketball is that we're going into a season being like, hey, we should make the tournament. And there's not like, it's not like, oh, like, yeah, maybe we could make the tournament, you know, if, if everything falls into place or whatever. Like, no, it's like, we should make the tournament. Like, we saw this last year. You know you know what I'm saying? Like, that is such a good place to be in, like, yeah. a program where there's there's expectations, but they're not, like, ridiculous expectations, you know? And right. I'm just, that's that's yeah. good. Especially given the state of football, and it might be a while before we can have, I don't know, optimistic expectations. Like, yeah. Having a team that not only seems to have found some sort of groove with Bobby Hurley, but found a groove in the landscape of the transfer portal and seems to be using that. They're, they're not falling behind the eight ball on that. I would almost argue ASU is one of those teams that's leading the charge or not, maybe not leading the charge, but has done extremely well navigating yeah. team building in the era of the transfer portal, which They've adapted well to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's a testament to Bobby Hurley. So uh, you're right. It, it does feel good to to feel optimistic about an ASU sports team. Well, I mean, particularly ASU men's basketball, like you can, everyone feel free to go look at Wikipedia and just go look at the records over the years. Like it's, you know, it's not pretty. So that's why like making the tournament, it, like that's why I'm a Bobby Hurley fan. I get that the, the criticism is there and a lot of it is very valid but when you make the tournament four out of eight years at asu and yeah i'm throwing in the 2020 year in there um that's a good sign and it 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 looks like the program is doing decently well and when you look at the upcoming recruiting class that asu has for 2024 they're number 13 in the entire country with five recruits and some of that's weighed down by a uh a, a juco guy they got who's not ranked so uh before they added his name into the mix they were number 11 so it's kind of weird how that works out but two four-star guys uh amir ali who they beat out like let me look on 24 7 who they beat out wow, yeah they beat out uh, what oh sorry go ahead you, you found it i was just gonna say while you're looking that up but go ahead who, who did they beat out yeah Alabama, Ohio State, Florida State, Arkansas. <laughs> Those are so, some heavy hitters. Yeah. And I do um, – I think uh, he might have – like his uncle might be on Hurley's staff or something, so that obviously helps. But, hey, oh, yeah. Yusuf Ali, right? It probably, yeah. I mean, I don't he's know. The, that. He's the assistant coach. Um, yeah. There you go. Yeah, so that, that helps. I was just going to say the one thing that – I have noticed with Hurley a little bit, and it's happened when, you know, they bring in these these four-star guys, even Josh Christopher, who might have been a – he was a five-star maybe. Had to, right? Yeah, I think he was a five-star, yeah. So, like, when when Hurley lands these these big-time recruits, it almost seems like Hurley does a better, a better job coaching older guys, right? Versus yeah. bringing in these younger guys. It, it doesn't seem to – to pan out necessarily. And that's, that's maybe that's just like a, a, a half baked observation. Um, but it just seems like, you know, Bagley was another one and um, uh, Josh Christopher and Tayshaun sure Cherry. Cherry is another one. And there's yeah. some other guys I think I'm, I'm forgetting, but it just seems like when he brings in those, those highly regarded recruits, it doesn't necessarily pan out. Not only, I mean, it kind of did for Josh Christopher, but not only for 
the program before the recruits. Like it seems right. like they come to ASU and then you never hear from them again, right? I mean, right. obviously James Harden is the the one guy that ASU hangs its hat on, but oh, I'm yeah, talking was... like under under Hurley, right? Like you know. Well, I think Lugans Dort was actually a really high level. Oh, yeah, of course he was. That's the guy I was. I was trying yeah. to think. I was like, there's one other guy. And, and he wasn't drafted. But that was clearly just a mistake by the NBA. And it was a mistake at the time. And not, anyway. Right. But, um, yeah. But uh, to that point, I guess what I would say is, like, you should still keep recruiting high-level players, you know? Like, yeah. No, 100%. The only, the only point I was, you know? Yeah. The only point I was trying to make was, like, I don't think – those guys are necessarily – and, I mean, it's great, right? Having that recruiting oh. class is awesome. Like, you need those guys. You're 100% right. But my my big thing is, like, how much of that is going to equate to, like, higher-scale success than what we're used to? Is right. it all going to translate would be my only question. But, I mean, if you're able – Maybe other it doesn't, guys, you know. I, yeah, right, it doesn't well, guarantee those, anything. Those other guys that I just referenced weren't recruited in the era of this transfer portal thing. They had to shoulder the load, right? Mm-hmm. The Kayshawn Terry's and the, the Josh Christopher's and the um, – who – I Baggies. mean, Dort, Dort came in. Dort. Baggy, right? Um, but this is really, like, the first time – I guess I guess Dort had, had Cheatham with him. Um, but this is the one of the first times that – and that's why next year might be exciting where Bobby Hurley gets to supplement – his work in the transfer portal with a, a highly regarded recruiting class, which those two elements coming together. I don't know. That could make all the difference. That is true. That, that, that's a good way to look at it. And the other thing is like, so Amir Ali is on 24 seven sports. He's the number 60 rated recruit in the country. Six zero. Uh, Sammy Yane, who is the other four star, six eight power forward. Both the both the four stars are six eight. Uh, he is the number ninety four recruit in the entire class. So when you're that low in the uh, top one hundred, you know re- it's all relative. But if you're like the number sixty, you're in the nineties. If you're being reasonable, you're not being like, oh, I'm a one and done guy for sure. You know. Whereas, like, Josh Christopher, when he came to ASU, he had that mindset. And guess, like, he was right to have that mindset because he was a one-and-done. And I'm pretty sure he's still in the NBA. And maybe Bagley had that same thing, too. So, like, I think if you're a kid and, like, I think sometimes ASU fans, like, they conflate, like, highly rated recruit to mean that they're, like, a five-star every single time. Like, I've heard so many times this season, I've heard Jaden Rashada referred to as a five-star. It's like, no, he was a four-star. Like, there is a difference. Um, And I think think that is important to mention with these two guys. And I don't mean mean that as a slight to them. Like, oh, you're only a four-star out of high school? Like, obviously, that's a ridiculous – like, they're incredible players. Um, But the fact – like, but they're not, like, Cooper Flag, you know? It's not, like, guys who, like, everyone knows about. And, uh, like, people in the NBA are like, oh, we got to make sure – you know, we're going to tank in next year so we can get so-and-so, you know, like it's, they, like, they may go to the NBA, like who knows, but uh, they're not like at the top of the top of their class, if that makes sense. No, definitely. And it's, it's one of those guys that, I guess it all comes down to the mindset, but I mean, if, 
Amir Ali is coming in and he's going to get to play. You said it was his cousin is who the assistant coach is. is I, right? I just said relative. I don't know. Oh, relative. Yeah. Okay. Um, so come in, play with his relative, maybe develop a little bit. If he has that mindset, then um, we, we'll see what happens. I mean, he he's playing in Queen Creek currently, so kind of a local guy in that regard, which is good. I think he's um, originally from Tucson. Some oh, okay. of these guys' high schools, it's so hard to, like – Yeah, they all especially with, like – the academies and all of that yeah, stuff. Like you have no idea where they're really, where they're really playing. No, like th there's one of those in New Hampshire that like a few of the NBA guys went to. And I'm like, wow, a lot of random NBA players from New Hampshire. And I'm like, oh wait, they're most of them aren't actually from New Hampshire. They're from somewhere else on the East coast. But anyway, uh, it's like, yeah. So, right. right. But um, I guess, but yeah, man, I mean, I'm excited to see how the, those two things work together. Like a highly regarded, highly regarded, Recruiting class with with a transfer class to kind of round everything out, right? And the thing is, like I mentioned, like oh, the, the, you know, these guys probably won't be one and dones. If they are one and dones, then that's awesome. You know, like that's still good for your team. So, uh, yeah, I am like, I am not in the mind. Okay, so I'm looking at twenty four seven sports. Uh, <laughs> wow, this is crazy to see this. Um, Josh Christopher is the number one re rated recruit all time for ASU basketball. <laughs> That's crazy. That's what it says. And maybe James Harden is too. Uh, there's a lot of random dudes in here, but um, Austin Nunez was a four star and now he's at uh, Ole Miss. But I just think that's funny how uh, that plays out. But yeah, anything anything else you want to add about ASU sports before we wrap this one up? Not really, man. I think we covered a little bit of everything today, which is good. Uh, just looking forward to watching this ASU basketball game. I'm sure in the next in the coming weeks we'll we'll shift our gears more to to basketball centric, um, which I think will be a lot more exciting than discussing this this football team. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping with basketball, we aren't starting the show saying things like, well, they look competent. They're competitive. Right. <laughs> I, I think we're past want... that. I, I hope, you know what? Let me rephrase. I hope we're past that. Yeah, that's true. Maybe, maybe like on the road at uh, USC or something with uh, yeah. Brian James and Isaiah Collier. But uh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for watching on YouTube. If you are watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe uh, or rate and review on your podcast app of choice, uh, wrapping this one up. And as always, go Devils.